Well, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry podcast today. This is a Monday Minute episode where normally it is Steve and I answering your listener questions. But today we have myself, Steve, and our good friend Tyler Boshma. We recorded a conversation just Friday, a few days ago, before Steve and Tyler both took off to Alaska, where they will start their sheep season. Tyler, as you will hear, is guiding for several hunts, and then Steve is going on a sheep hunt with Tyler, and that's how they're starting their season. They're actually up in Alaska right this very moment. So we recorded this uh, just before they left and just chatted about the hunt. And another thing that was recorded just before Steve left was a full What's in My Pack video. So if you want to see that video, he goes through all the gear that he was packing for the sheep hunt. We have an itemized gear list. Um, You can see the total pack weight and much more. Check out the link in the show description for this podcast, and we'll take you over to that gear list and that video. But right now, here's this conversation with myself, Steve, and Tyler. So Tyler, you are taking off in, what, six hours? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) First season guiding, really, right? Yeah, I mean, last year was supposed to be it, but with sheep numbers and everything didn't end up working out. So this will be it, the old maiden voyage. Yeah, I'm really, really nervous about my guide here. I would hose with a newbie. I would never go on a hunt with him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is just stupid that I, you know, uh, yeah, feel incredibly lucky that Tyler is not only one of my best friends, uh, but we got to be sheep hunting together and he's my guide. So it's, uh, very, very fortunate. Put it that way. Yeah. I, dude, I'm so jazzed for this. I, not in a million years thought I'd be going out with my best buddy and, you know, and in a way, like it's just us getting to go romp, you know, and right. kind of do our own thing. And I mean, obviously there's parameters there with, you know, being a non-resident and being guided and all that. Like we're, we still got to stay within certain boundaries, but for the most part, like, you know, we get it we get to kind of have fun. Like we live there almost. Um, yeah. It's but, as close as you can get to being a resident hunting is what I feel. Yeah. Um, cause you guys, I mean, obviously you, you did the hunt before, um, Tyler and you got your sheep. It was the two of you, but you had Dwayne with you. Cause at the time you weren't a guide Tyler, right? Correct. And yeah, as long as, yeah, how that works out, you know, yeah, obviously have to have a guide or, or the outfitter, um, with the client. So yeah, we, Dwayne's with us then, and, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be hunting this trip. I'm just, just, uh, a manservant. I'm there for whatever Steve needs. If you know, it comes to a foot massage on the mountain, doesn't matter. That's my job, I guess. I need, I need you to pack <laughs> my gear for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's going to be cool, man. I, uh, dude, I, it's one of those things too. Like as a kid, it was kind of a moving target. Like, thinking oh it'd be cool to guide or whatever but you know as i got older it was like that target got more and more distant like i want nothing to do with that like that just sounds awful and uh and then now it's you know i've kind of come back around where i really enjoy seeing my friends succeed and and uh you know find success in their hunts and um that's evolved into into this so here we are hopefully we keep the momentum that you know coming off last year him killing a dandy ram and some freaking narnar country hopefully this year we find that same country and find another dandy ram we were uh 
just uh, just on Monday, Mark had a listener question about what was a tougher hunt, the Frank Chirp sheep and or the Alaska sheep like yours. And for me, I mean, they're both tough, but it was no question that Frank's a tougher hunt, like tougher to navigate oh, yeah. through the country, tougher glassing conditions. But yeah, I was curious. I was like, oh, we'll ask Tyler what his thoughts are. Nope, I'm right there with you 100%. I think for me, like something about Alaska, right? Just like the whole time your soul is just enriched in just how beautiful everything is. It's very distracting from the the physical effort you do put in, but also like just the Frank is the Frank. Like there's not much, it's hard to describe, but the, you know, the dry conditions, you know, you just being dehydrated all the time, the heat, you know, the rocks and the shale and, and the steepness. And then two, you're, you're at elevation in the Frank, right? Like we're starting at what? 7,000 feet. I can't remember where that uh, strip was. Yeah. Yeah. You're not that high No, but you climb to 8,000. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, where, you're 4,000 at the river and then 8,000 at the tops, but yeah, it's still, um, yeah, yeah. Like we're in the Alaska range. We're starting at like 800 feet. <laughs> And we're going to like 3000. So, you know, we got these, you know, whatever, same type of elevation climbs and, uh, but at the same note, you're starting a lower elevation. So that I feel like I just get my lungs under me and I feel better, mm-hmm. um, at, at that elevation than, you know, when I'm at the high stuff. Yeah, so I was maybe just, it's that, who knows <laughs> my, um, obviously it was very different when we did the death hike and the Chugach was the amount of brush and vegetation there, but in the, the area of the Alaska range we were in for for the sheep hunt and we should be to best of our knowledge in the very same drainage that you killed your sheep. Um, it was so easy to get around. I mean, once you got 50 feet away from the Creek bottoms, it's just walking on open rock. There was no, like how my, it was just really like find a spine Ridge or a way to climb up something. And, and you just walked in a straight line towards it. There wasn't downfall and, you know, all sorts of obstacles in your way. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. We just catch whatever Ridge and, as long as it wasn't just chock full of cliffs, we were fine. Like that was the only thing you had to just be able to look, you know, look ahead of you about, you know, a thousand feet up and be like, Oh, there's a cliff. Okay. I'm not going there. That the navigation aspect of it was definitely different, you know, mm-hmm. in Alaska than the Frank where the Frank, you kind of had to really think through some of those little drainages and, and, and look at your maps and kind of really, really be tuned in. Um, Cause yeah, like you said, I think you had it on one of your scouting trips or not scouting trip, your first, hunt trip in there you almost got kind of in a bind oh yeah, right? yeah mul- multiple times yeah had to had it thought i was good walking on spine ridge and all of a sudden clipped out and oh crap got to back up 400 yards or half a mile or yeah it's uh it's rough country in there for sure yeah uh anything gear wise you're doing different for this hunt versus when we were there in 2020 yeah um that pan head mm. that's that's definitely like i've incorporated that in my entire system where not just from my spotter to, you know, shooting and all that. Um, Are you talking about the Nighthawk, Tyler? Yeah. The Wiser Precision Nighthawk. Badass little head. Yeah. Mine has some weird initials on it. I've been trying to take them off it. <laughs> Is it SS? <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird how that one disappeared out of my pack one day. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's pretty much it. I'm going back to the old tried and true Solomon boots. I, really? No kidding. Yeah, I'm just gonna do it. I, the old one feet. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I might regret it, but at least this trip I'll have it, and then goat stuff. I I'll go from there. So 
yeah, that's pretty much it though. Same old, same old. Cool. Everybody's going to want to know now, Steve, what are you doing for boots? Or have you not decided yet? Cause you don't decide until you like get on a plane. <laughs> Is it- no. Yeah. The Technica plasmas. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. I've been, uh, been doing pr- try. It's been a, it's not as good as I wanted to, but the last 12 days, I probably hiked 10 of them each day doing all oh, three to four miles and a couple thousand feet of elevation. And, um, same sheep hike, my sheep, quote unquote, sheep training hike that I took you on there, Mark. And, yeah. uh, uh, just varied it up to get a little bit more elevation. And those, those technicas by far were the best. And then I had, um, actually ordered a new pair cause the pair I bought, I bought them last fall and they probably, I mean, they have at least 500 miles on them in training hikes. And, uh, I was shocked. I went and filled the bathtub up at the house up six inches deep. And I was like, these things are going to leak, but I'm just going to check. And I, I stood in that thing for 90 seconds and not a drop of water made it through the shoes. Um, that's great. So I was pretty impressed. Yeah. But the Gore-Tex still held up on it. I'm like, well, that's, that's good enough for me. That'll work. Um, and the comfort wise, they've been fantastic. Yeah. I'd wish for a little bit, maybe higher ankle height for this hunt, right? Just as much shale and kind of loose rock as we'll be in. But, uh, um, overall I know I'm going to have comfortable feet the whole time. So that's, I'll definitely take uh, a couple drawbacks, but I'll, I'll take comfortable feet over, um, you know, other things. How, um, how was y'all's feet after the death? Like, like a month, six weeks after, did any of y'all have those deep blisters coming apart in your feet? No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a single issue coming out the death hike. That side healing, and that's what's getting me in those those heavier boots. Um, it was like a week ago. I just peeled off like a freaking like two silver dollar size pad on the bottom of my foot um, of skin, just where it had died, and it, you know it was deep, deep down under the mm-hmm. skin. And it mm-hmm. just now got up to that point where it wanted to come off. It was a big chunk. <laughs> Were that you run in the Hanvox on the death hike? I don't remember. Yeah. So I got yeah. that hot spot in the same spot from just mm. some about that, maybe not capturing my toe box area quite as good and just rolling my foot, you know, as I'm side hill and keep rolling at those little micro. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what got me. Have you Anything, guys seen, uh, yeah, I was going to say, have you guys talked? together about are you being strategic with anything that you're just going to split between the two of you i know like shelter maybe one but even optics or anything else not really we i guess we just got the tent stuff right steve yeah tent and um try i mean i we, we did talk a little bit about do we pack because of you know the with that mdt chassis i can shoot off the tripod so it's like do we last time we just had one tripod between the three of us um now it's like, do we pack one or we probably need to pack two so I can shoot off one if the situation calls for it. And the same time, Tyler can be in the spotting scope, you know, calling the shot and mm-hmm. making sure that, you know, we're, he's, we're communicating, which, you know, assuming it's going to be a group of two, three, four, five Rams, like which Ram that I need to be on. And uh, so we probably need to have two tent. We'll, we're just taking the same Hilleberg and hand two shell that we did last time with baby sacks. We'll split that up and then that's really about it yeah i i um i just shot this morning in the uh pack loading video uh fit all 10 days in a 3200 and um uh, i did load up a spine scope in there but i probably won't actually bring it on the trip because tyler will have his coa 77 nice and then are you running your el ranges steve yeah yep cool yep. tyler anything um 
what do you kind of think? We, you and I have been so busy. We haven't really talked a whole lot. What do you think in hunt wise strategy? Like, how do you want to approach this like different than last time? Yeah. Kind of thoughts? Absolutely. Yeah. Been thinking about that. Um, you know, kind of going back to, I think what, yeah, I was telling someone at work the other day, this, like what makes us so successful or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, at least last year, I felt like it's just us staying as mobile as we do mm-hmm. and not, not rat pulling ourselves too much. And then I was kind of looking at some of that maps and how we could maybe approach that country a little bit different to kind of give us um, some better angles and not maybe have the wind blowing up that drainage as much towards the end. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think just we'll have a different loop, you know, and doing it in a way where, yeah, we just, we're going to bed down wherever we end up and, and, uh, I'm, I'm definitely, one thing I did change, I forgot to mention is I, I'm taking less water capacity. I'm taking a mm. two liter bladder and a 32 ounce, um, Nalgene. So where before I had the three liter and then I had a one liter dirty bag, which I guess I'll still have that. So my capacity is pretty close to the same, just how I do it. You know, I'm just changing up, having the Nalgene on my hip and then also having the bladder. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. I was just, um, last night jumped on Onyx and started downloading maps for that area, you know? Um, and, uh, I was looking at where you killed your Ram and, and just kind of studying the maps better, you know, just, so it's fun to be able to plan for this hunt. Cause first time it was, you know, we're just kind of Dwayne's the guide. He knows the country. We're just tagging along for the ride. And now it's like, we know the country. It's just you and I hunting. We get to build our own plan. And, uh, I was absolutely looking at like, man, it, it'd be a way harder route in there if we kind of cut straight up from basically <laughs> where crazy. the base camp was, <laughs> but you could get up and to see some basins, um, right away that are, yeah, that looked really good to me. Yeah. I, I was <laughs> hoping you wouldn't page. say that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know if it's possible to get over those summits. Like, um, but if you could, it, it looked really freaking good. Here's the thing, Mark, you know, this too, he's got them freaking quads where he just points straight uphill and he climbs. I like the flat, steady, steady uphill. (laughs) (laughs) It's easier to stick with them on the flat stuff or downhill. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you'll just have to carry some of my food for me. Maybe the spotter. Whatever, you're the guide, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You got to pack the whole tent. You got to pack half my gear. (laughs) I'm not used to this stuff. (laughs) Pack your food. (laughs) Did you guys ever end up camping high or you kind of were always in the bottom? We always ended up back in the bottom on the, on the sheep hunt. Yeah. Last time. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yep. Yeah. Always by water. Yeah. I do remember that. I mean, the first... The first Dwayne was, you know, his style of hunting had been go in and, and drop camp. Uh, and so that's how the first three or four days we just hunted from that camp. And then when we had to leave, we packed Tyler's sheep out. We had to pick up that other client because Dwayne had a guy basically quit mid hunt on him and he joined us. Then from there on, we were mobile and camping. And I think we had two or three nights left of the trip by the time that happened. And, um, we, we were just pretty mobile, but we always, always ended up, you know, cause basically there wasn't, there's not water up high. So you're, you're really getting yourself back down into a Creek bottom, but it's the, the cool thing about there is, I mean, you could be on a Ridge at 3000 feet, um, 3000 feet down to the Creek and you can do that in 30 minutes. Uh, you just, you ski down the whole thing. It happens so fast and it doesn't take that much energy. Um, 
it's so much easier going downhill up there than anywhere else. Yeah. That part's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, that, that does suck. Not having, like, I could not keep up with you guys in the, basically my, you know, my trail running type shoes that I was wearing last time. Uh, I'm just skiing down the scree. I just was, you know, it was fine for me to do. I was just much slower than the other guys, but even then it was still, um, compared to in the Frank, you have to descend 3000 feet. That's going to like just kick your ass. Cause you're going to be slipping and sliding and, you know, downfall and yeah, much different up there. Yeah, definitely. So I want, I'm curious what's, we've kind of talked about this, what expectation management, where are we at? 40 inch Ram or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, man. Yeah. I don't, uh, obviously that we talked about this on the Monday minute that, you know, Tyler, you're the one who told me the sheep numbers, you know, go from, a harvest of 1200 to 600 to 400 the last three years. And I don't think anybody that's a sheep guy in Alaska is expecting it to jump up. You know, like it's, they're expecting low numbers, uh, bad winners. Uh, I think, I guess there's a bad winner eight years ago. So all the Rams that would be eight years old or, you know, not around right now because they're never born or died off right when they're born. Um, and then we've had two kind of rough winners in a row, two or three. So we'll see. I got, um, Low expectations. If we find a legal ram, it, I say this: if there's a legal ram in that country, we're going to find it and kill it. Like I'm completely confident in that. It's just a matter of can we turn up a legal ram? I know we're going to turn over every freaking rock we can and hike, you know, whatever it takes. Doesn't I don't care how many miles we could be forty miles from the airplane and pack out. I don't care. Or um, so if if there's a ram within distance, walking distance of where we land the the cub, we're going to find it and kill it. So. Um, I want to throw some scenarios that you say it's just socked in and we're, we're in this basin. We know this basin harvested a ram there two years ago, but we're socked in. Are you going to be able to just hunker down and stay in the tent for three days? Or are you going to want to want to boogie? Um, I think you just hunker down and wait. Yeah. I don't, I mean, yeah. I'll, yeah, I guess that'll be a judgment call. I mean, if we think there's better weather somewhere else, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, certainly we've been in, hunting situations where visibility is crap, but you at least, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to think of like, I know the country and I know, you know, maybe it's like a mule deer hunt here in Idaho where, okay, I can only see 400 yards, but I can put myself into position to hunt where, you know, I may, may have an opportunity to kill something up there. That would be, that'd be tough. So yeah, you, you could just walk down the, you know, walk up and down the Creek drainages and hope, hope a ram, you know, you catch one close, that'd, that'd be tough. Yeah. I think in that, like where there's a spot at the end of that basin where, you know, you were behind the gun, but it was like for an all of 10 seconds and had that band of like seven Rams or whatever, the one flared out real wide. I would think, mm -hmm. and I was kind of thinking through this because the weather has been pretty bad. Um, I, I might just park us down in that saddle like right in that sound mm -hmm. because they're going to, they're mm -hmm. going to hit those headwaters. They love doing that. They hit, you know, head of a drainage and then they catch that saddle and they pop back and forth in that country. That's kind of where they, you know, like most critters, like, you know, they're not going to put in extra effort to get to the other side of a ridge. They're going to, they're going to take the easy point. I think just freaking make, make camp and, you know, sit within a hundred yards of that or 200 yards, whatever we can see and, and uh, twiddle our thumbs and just hope something, you know, at least we're still hunting then. Like I'm like, just trying to yeah. think of scenarios where, you know, if things are bad, you know, how, how can we adapt to that? How can we. Yeah. Instead of just 
throwing your hands up in the air and waiting three days for the weather to clear. Or going yeah. back to our freaking, <laughs> not like to hike too much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just trying to be, well, I, I, we know we can be strategic, but yeah, just how that'll look will depend on the situation. Yeah. But yeah, just kind of a thought I had that that drainage kind of is perfect for that. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Yeah. Thinking there's through those scenarios, Tyler, like being proactive and thinking how you, how you could handle different potential, um, situations is that I'm sure something you always do, but do you feel like you have gotten more proactive about that? Just being responsible essentially as a guide this year, not only for Steve and his hunt, but for other hunts you have coming, uh, I guess, is that an example of something you've maybe changed or are there any other things that come to mind for you of like, okay, I'm, you obviously have a ton of experience with sheep, with the mountains in general, but like what has changed for you going into this fall guiding people from a mindset perspective? I think responsibility. Um, obviously after Steve, I, you know, I have clients that, um, I'm responsible for, you know, as a, 35 year old adult, I, you know, someone else's life, you know, is hinging on decisions I make, which granted being in the military and all that, I think really did help me in that regard, like being situationally aware and always looking, looking for where not only things can go bad, but how you can access country, how you can, you know, efficiently hunt it and stuff like that. I don't know. I think it's a combination of like, being purposeful in my, my thinking, but also coming from experience. I would have to say it's like kind of a 50, 50 thing. And then, you know, just the more I've hunted mountains and stuff and, and sheep in particular, you know, you, you just kind of start to learn those, those little things, those, those things that, and I, I, the same thing I work doing electrical or whatever, like someone will tell you, Hey man, this pump does this and it's weird, but it only does it when it, you know, this conditions in place. Same thing with sheep, you know, or whatever, any kind of mountain species. I feel like there's little things that people will tell you, little nuggets. And for whatever reason, at least with me, they, they don't sink in until I'm in that situation. I'm like, dude, so-and-so said that. This is exactly that situation where I need to be doing this, right? And so I try to remember those little nuggets now and really try to um, – kind of forward think them and, and that's where the you know headwaters of a drainage and 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 those sheep you know they, they run a circuit right and trying to trying to think how they might be using that country to run their you know whatever it, it might be a three or four day circuit where they kind of just do a little circle through that country and uh, and just try to be in position where i can see see you know them come through something even if it's foggy or whatever you know but yeah i think it, it has, you know, I don't know if it's just the guiding thing or whatever, but yeah, in the last couple of years, I've definitely been more proactive than, than years past. Yeah, I, don't, I think Tyler's um, underrating himself because he's, as long as I've hunted with him, he's a very, he's always, th- you know, maybe it is your military background or whatever, but you're always thinking three, four steps ahead. Like, all right, if this doesn't work, what's next? And definitely planning, uh, planning ahead. What's the, what's the best route to take and the, the route that's going to give us the highest chance of success, the strategy that's going to give us the highest chance of success. 
Yeah. It's fun. It's a little puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a hundred percent true, man. Uh, you gotta, um, I like I for whatever reason, 2020, when we did the bear hunt, you know, like I was a pro, I wanted to meet you up high and we we're going to hike that thing North to South and be like, no, wait a minute. We need to do that South North. So as we're hiking in through all that country that we're hiking into the South facing slopes that are, um, you know, burnt off and where the bears are going to be. And I'm like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but just little things like that, that, you know, end up changing, you know, flipping the odds in your favor for success. Yeah. Those little micro decisions or whatever you want to call them that you look back and it's easy when you look back, right? You go, Oh gosh, darn. Well, that's, that's kind of why that worked out the way it did. Yeah. But yeah, it's trying to remember that stuff, man. It gets, it gets to be the difficult part for me. (laughs) Yeah. Tiny brain problems. (laughs) <laughs> well there's a point too like the more time you spend in the field yes you're gaining more experiences learning more lessons but there's also just a higher volume of stuff to try and remember so stuff does fall through the cracks potentially exactly the guy that can remember the the details you know in their 60s and all that that's a that's a special person and there's there's sheep guys out there that man they freaking know their sheep it is impressive just yeah exactly how they use country why they feed the way they do i mean you guys had somebody on here before talking about you know an old sheep guide that you know was adamant that um those sheep like to kind of do their thing feed and then bed down and digest and you know just little details like that and how that you know might help you hunt country and 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 uh, hunt the species in particular it's impressive people remember that much information whether it's from your firsthand experience, Tyler, because you hunted different ranges in Alaska somewhat, or again, I know that you're constantly soaking in information and talking with other guides and sheep hunters, et cetera. What's your impression of how, like, um, uniqueness of ranges and how the sheep may have different patterns within those ranges. And maybe that's not dictated by the terrain, but are you aware of any like, yeah, the dolls, you know, in the Alaska range tend to do this or that versus Brooks versus Wrangles, et cetera. Or is that not so much an impression that you have that there are differences among the ranges? I'll probably eat crow on this as, you know, I look back and I'm 50 and, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I do think there is a little bit like in the Brooks, you know, that country just leans to be able to run through it. Right. So of course the animals there, I feel like they kind of get in bigger groups too. And they, they just kind of move through that country. Like more like what I was talking about, they have that circuit where they can kind of, you know, and I, I think it's true about everywhere, but to what degree I think, yeah, it might be a terrain thing or just a feed thing. Really. I mean, um, they might burn up the feed in one area and then decide, you know, Hey, we need to whatever after a winter, they kind of use more of this side of the range or whatever. I think, there, there is some of that, and I think that that does apply down here in the States as well, hunting sheep. And that's something that it, you really have to think through. And and also those dominant rams, and this this I'm very certain of. I've read quite a few biology papers and, and guys that have 30, 40 years of, um, doing this stuff, you know, sheep guides and biologists, that those dominant rams, they're the ones that decide what drainage they're going to be in that year and how they're going to use it, Right. So they've got their little band, five or six little buddies. But when they become dominant ram, 
all the mother rams are leaning to them, you know, looking to them like, hey, you know, whatever. And they just kind of follow them. And um, some of the stuff I've hunted down here in Montana, it's very, very obvious because you're the amount of sheep you have to look at are so much smaller, you know, where I'm hunting or whatever, but they just, when you do find them, you really get to see that how the, the dominant Ram, they decide this is how we're using this country. Um, so I think maybe that's, it's terrain, but it's also, it just every year changes depending on who's in charge. Yeah. I never thought of that. Like that almost like a social dynamic aspect of it. A lot of that too. I've read that, you know, they learn that, they get that from their parent, their mom, you know, when they're lambs. So, you know, however that, that you know, that you use the ground, that, that lamb kind of got it in his brain. And then once he went out on his own with his own bachelor group and became Don Ram, he kind of goes back to what he knows. Um, so, yeah. Steve, where are you at with, uh, with shooting? Confidence, setup. What just where your head's at, like with shooting, feeling um, super comfortable and confident or I, I am extremely confident in my rifle. I shot a lot last year. Uh, this year time has just slipped by a lot. Uh, I've only shot once since our bear hunt, but I, uh, that gun just, it's, uh, it just shoots. So I'm, I'm, I'm I have no issues. I went out, um, just two days ago, actually that, that, that's the first time since the bear hunt that I've shot. And, um, yeah, just at 530 yards, put four bullets in size of a fist, and it's like, yeah, all right, I'm good. Gun's still on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did really want to get out and shoot more off the tripod. Um, I, um, you know, we did that a little bit there on the bear hunt at the after we had killed uh, on yeah. our way out, and um, I was kind of mocking that up, and I certainly intend to something I do a lot, um, and, and will intend to do on this trip too is just whenever I see an animal, whenever we're just sitting around eating a snack, I'm going to mock up a shooting situation. Like, mm. all right, I'm on a downhill slope. There's a rock over there at 400 yards. Let me see how I can get set up on this thing. Um, yeah. and, and use my tripod, use my trekking poles, use my pack and just keep, you know, practicing those situations that kind of stemmed from, um, a good buddy, Charlie, who we've had on the podcast before on one of our expert round tables. When, uh, I first started bow hunting, you know, I'd, I'd just be, I remember hunting with him and he just draws bow back. Like we'd just be in the middle of the hunt and I'd look over and he's drawing his bow and I'm like, I freeze, you know, thinking like, oh, dude, what, is there an animal there? I don't know, you know? Um, and now he just always knock an arrow and, you know, three, four times a day, draw his bow back and aim and hold on a branch and check things out, you know? And, uh, and so I did that for years, bow hunting, just to you know, kind of work that muscle and um, the muscles that you used to shoot with and, and just have confidence. And then, yeah, do the same thing with the rifle, just set up all the time and, you know, uh, just like you're dry fire and practice in your basement, right. With the thing, it's, it's no different. You're just out there in the field and, uh, mm-hmm. don't chamber around, but just squeeze the trigger off and, um, get some practice. So I'm going to do that a bunch. Um, I do want to hope Tyler, hope, I'm assuming when we get there, we'll have a, probably a, a day where we're at the base camp. And, uh, I certainly, I'm going to pack probably, you know, an extra 10 rounds or something like that, just to kind of fire off five or six shots and, and kind of regain that confidence in the field. Um, I did that. Uh, I did that last year on right before I killed my sheep in the Frank Tyler and I were like after a mile after getting dropped off by the plane, I was like, man, that rocks look, looks good over there. It was like 500 something yards and set up the phone scope on it through the spine scope. It clicked the video so you could see exactly where the bullet impacted and 
um, fired off a shot and it just gives you having that confidence in your, in your weapon, you know, uh, is, is everything, um, to make certain shots. And so just the more I can practice and shoot while I'm out there in the field, I'm going to. What, uh, suppressor did you shoot with the other day that the gen one or the gen two? Uh, I, I got the gen two, but I, I didn't put it. <laughs> you on. won't touch I'm, it. <laughs> I'm not, I told Mark, I'm like, I'm not, I'm so confident in this gun. It, every time I go shoot, it just shoots lights out that I have no, I don't, I have no desire to save two ounces and mess with it. So, okay. So let it be known to the entire world that Steve Speck <laughs> has chosen to, to carry two extra, ounces. to carry an extra two ounces into the field when he could shave two ounces. That's noted today noted documented <laughs> august 5th 2022 uh yeah i mean you know conf- confidence in your weapon is everything and that I, I just didn't want to mess with it so yeah. if i had gotten the suppressor in january i'd have screwed it on and and dealt with it but or uh, i mean it's a very realistic like knowing your limitations right you knew you didn't have a ton of time to shoot yes yeah. so it's like it's just a it's a in my mind, like a very straightforward decision. Like I have very limited time to try something new, to tinker, to tweak if needed. Maybe there's a good chance nothing is going to change, but there is a chance something's going to change. And so just knowing your limits on time, something I've definitely learned over the years, like, I don't, I'm just going to flat out say no to this. Like part of me wants to do it. There's a theoretical benefit to it, but there's also a potential for added complication. Yeah, life. Exactly. I don't. I'm not 24 and single anymore. You know, no kids. I just don't have much time. So, uh, yeah. What are you doing, Tyler? Do you do you have to carry? I forget the regulations. You don't have to carry a backup, correct? No, I I don't have to carry a rifle per se. I'll still have my 10 mil, mostly just for bear protection. Um, but yeah, in the event, whatever. You know, there are some requirements for the guide where they do have to kind of step up if things go south. But yeah, for the most part, just have my 10 mil and um, for bust and brush, be out front, be ready for whatever, anything in that regard. But, you know, that goes back to that, you know, proactive thinking and, you know, how you move through country and whatever, like same thing in bear country, just be proactive. And I feel like a lot of times you can avoid any kind of conflict. So um, I'm fairly certain won't have to use that thing but yeah that's probably the thing i've shot the most actually um this year you know i've I've definitely gone out with the rifle quite a bit but i've been shooting the nine and ten mil quite a bit just trying to stay stay very consistent and quick at getting that out Mm -hmm. how are you carrying it um the ivory holster on the hip okay yeah i wanted to do i wanted to do a chest rig um just because I know how I am, you know, I, you know, plop the pack off and, you know, of course the pistol's going to stay on it and that thing's whatever, you know, 10 feet away from me and getting water, all those type of scenarios. And I know it's just one of those things probably doesn't matter a ton, but kind of would be nice to just kind of always have it on me, um, right there on my chest. But then it, you know, you've talked about it too, the comfort aspect of it, like, I haven't found one of those that I'm super comfortable with yet. And then especially with going with the little bit bigger binoculars, you know, those EL ranges just tend to have a little bit more bulk already. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just trying to cut down on crap up in front of me. So 
keep her on the hip. But dang, I was gonna ask something. Now I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> Anything uh, food wise you're doing different? I guess I you're know. going up there, and yeah, you're going, <laughs> you're going up there. And food, huh? <laughs> well, here's the thing. <laughs> this could get interesting. No, I, yeah, um, absolutely. Dwayne's, Dwayne's, you know, obviously fronting the food bill, and with me being there that long, I'm really not even messing with bringing food up. So yeah, um, we go shopping when I get there at Costco and get some knickknacks, and then we're on our on our way. So. Hopefully we get some good stuff, some high calorie, easy to digest, whatever odds and ends. So I do have a, a special treat for us in the advent or when you kill your sheep. Mm. Does that have <laughs> to do with something in a bottle? It does. <laughs> <laughs> After I killed my sheep last year in the Frank, we pulled out those uh, big orange whiskeys and took a shot and both of us were just like, we might as well have had 10 drinks in us cutting out my sheep. <laughs> You're like <laughs> just, all dehydrated. Oh, yeah, just freaking pot is all get out and dehydrated. And like, yeah, literally half a sip of whiskey. And you're like, oh, I'll be careful <laughs> with my knife here. But uh, yeah, be, uh, be what it is, superstitious or whatever. But those things are just a good luck charm. So when they're in the pack, things die. So they're, they're going. <laughs> <laughs> Be yeah. sure to be stocked up for September then, Tyler. Oh, I will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What else, man? Gear, hunt strategy, weather, flights, oh. backing out. I ended croc up life. Croc life for sure. I ended up yeah. actually getting taking out my old ring gear. So a little bit lighter in ring gear. Um, who knows if I'll regret that later, but We'll find out. Oh yeah, that's what you're changing. You got different rain gear. Yeah, uh, the Canis stuff. Giving a shot, uh, and dog. it's it's like middle of the road weight wise. It's not super light, but it's not super heavy. Uh, it's got some good features. It's it's got a nice. Um, qu- the fabric has a nice quiet hand to it. Like it's not a very noisy fabric. Um, so yeah, I, I after we had Marcel on one one of the Canis owners and the designer and like I. Uh, I haven't used the stuff in the field, but I have all the confidence that it's going to perform very well after kind of talking through him, rain gear and his knowledge of that stuff. So, um, so yeah, hopefully, are you, are you just taking their rain gear? Do you have um, some other layers that you're going to um, have? With I've, you? Ju- I've got their puffy jacket. And I honestly, that's one gear decision I haven't decided on. Um, I love my stellar ultralight puffy and theirs is a little bit heavier, maybe four ounces heavier, probably equal in warmth, but um they use they definitely use a much more durable fabric, and I, th- I think that's where the four ounces comes from. Um, oh man! Plus, yeah. we'll be identical in every way if, if you bring your stellar, because I'm taking yeah. my stellar. So <laughs> don't want to be twins. Yeah, you might just do it for that aspect. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, gear. I mean, gear wise, I don't. This is one of the few times I don't. I didn't have to make any kind of purchases. Like everything. I mean, I'm very similar to what I had on, you know, the Frank Church sheep hunt last year. Uh, this Canis gear is one of the very few items that would be new in the pack for me. Brand new Sawyer squeeze? Uh, Caden be free. Okay. Yeah. One filter and then two of their one liter bottles. I had um, at some point last year, one of their their one liter bottles, the side blew out. No, it just got a hole. It got a pinhole leak in it. Um 
And uh, so I'm packing two of those. It obviously gives me the ability to haul two liters. And if one of them craps the bed, I still got an extra one just in case. Nice. So, yeah, I guess I didn't pay too much attention to that on the, the death hike. How are you filling your, your main main bag with that? Are you popping it off every time? Uh, it's just, yeah, no, it's got a quick disconnect, just like I would that screws right into the top, like the Sawyer. And so I can just fill it right into the bladder tube. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember you doing that. Okay. Because I'll have both. I'll have my Sawyer and that, that Be Free. Um, that's probably one thing I might buy in Anchorage is another, another Be Free. Yeah. They're, those things are awesome. They just obviously have a, like all the, all of them, they, the flow rate's incredible for the first, you know, 10 days of a hunt. And then if you're not careful with getting super clean water and they clog up and it just slows down, which is not, not the end of the world, but sure is nice when they flow at like the two or three liters a minute when they're brand new. Yeah. I guess there's one thing we got to be Gucci about is we both like our water to be flowing pretty quick out of our filters. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, don't have time for that business. Yeah. I remember looking back at 2020 Dwayne, when he would, you know, we'd stop for water breaks or whatever. And you and I'd be like, and then he looks over and he's like, are you serious? You guys are done getting water. I'm like, yeah, you ready? Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) It is fun. Tyler and I have just hunted together so much. And I think we're uh, just on the same page that everything just, yeah. We're like, just, just clicking along. Well, I think some of that just goes, and I mean, obviously hunting together too, but some of that just goes back to death hiking and doing this thing. Like, you know, you talk about it on this podcast quite a bit and advocate other people do it, dude, advocate, like people do it with the people they plan on hunting with, because you kind of see where, you know, like, you know, me climbing straight up a hill. Like we, we kind of learn each other's strengths and weaknesses and then how we can be more efficient together just from those hikes. So when we're out on the field, we're tuned up not only individually, but together. Like, so that's mm-hmm. where we, we just kind of streamline all that stuff and, and kind of work it out on those hikes. And, um, yeah, that's, that's where I've like, people should, if they're planning on hunting with some of the fall at, at the minimum, go spend three days on some type of death hike with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you get to find when things get tough, you to find out how that person's going to react, um, which is better to do that on a backpack and hiking trip than in the middle of a hunt especially if it's like you know you're coming out west for the first time and you've got a lot invested a lot of time and energy to get to that destination find out your hunting partner's garbage yeah so speaking of mental space i guess i didn't finish where I was, that's where i was trying to go with that you got a sheep tag in your pocket any other tags steve caribou okay uh, yeah so yeah. we will day, <laughs> day seven here we are no tags punched and uh, we, we got a, a great caribou. Obviously, you know, I, I want you to get a sheep. I'm so freaking wanting you to get a sheep. But well, yeah. Yeah. Day seven. We're, where are you at? Uh, I, I'm, dro- I'm, I'm dropping the caribou. We'll man up. We'll pack it out and we'll pike right, right back in and keep sheep hunting. I know it. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just, yeah. I'm not like, it's okay. not. Uh, you know, it's not like, uh, well, yeah, we can tell the story of the first time when we've had to pack out someone else's caribou because um, they wussed out. But uh, um, it's not like we're going to kill that caribou and pack it out and be like, oh, woe is me. I, don't, I can't go back in. I'm too tired. Like, no, that's not happening. Um, we're just going to pack it out and keep hunting. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I, um, if we can find a legal ram, we're coming out of there with the caribou and a ram. 
Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, perfect. And if I, perfect and, and, world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if they, I don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly hadn't thought through that to be honest. Uh, how many hunting days do you have? Eight, eight hunting eight. days with a travel day on each end, technically like a hiking flying day. Yeah. Like a half um, day. so, um, yeah, I hadn't thought about the scenario of like day one, five miles in there. There's a caribou right off the river. I'm going to shake your gun. Like you're trying to shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> like do i shoot it and then we you know it's an easy pack out and then we're back right back to hunting sheep i don't know i haven't thought about that probably yeah, i mean i'm i in my mind i'm focused on sheep for sure and uh I and only, you can get him on the way out if he's yeah, five miles yeah. in he's yeah i'll be honest every minute <laughs> of every day a sheep tag is not punched i don't want to entertain anything else <laughs> but that's me being selfish yeah. like i want to be like so mission oriented like yeah. yeah, I mean, but obviously it's your hunt at the end of the day that, you know, that's, um, but man, um, yeah, as, as your friend, I, I really, I want you to get that second one. It's pretty cool having yeah. them together. And, you know, honestly, well, I guess I don't know about, well, bears are a problem at base camp or, you know, if there's a caribou that's, uh, right off the river there before we break off, you know, you shoot it, pack it down. It's probably, I'm yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this stuff. See, this, there's benefits to this. Pack a lot of extra rope so you can hang all that meat like really high up in a tree out on a limb. And then, you know, it's going to be cold enough. That meat's going to last for a week. Uh, then you can go hunt and come back at the end of the trip and pack it out. I'm glad we talked about this because I have 100 feet of paracord. First time I'm ah. packing that much. I'm like, you know yeah. what? If there comes a situation with the bear or whatever, I got to get some meat high. This time I'm going to have some serious paracord. So. You're yeah, a guide yeah. now, Tyler. You got to take care of things like this. I know. I got to think through, and that's a, adds a pound there, and adds a pound on the other end, and next thing you know, I need a six thousand cubic inch pack. <laughs> Steve, what, Steve may what, finally how, be convinced to make one after this trip. How big is my pack going to be for ten days of sheep hunting that you're allowing me to have? Uh, forty-two hundred. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> perfect, perfect. That's the, well, well, the, and that is the great thing about your system you know obviously i did that when i was running it how big was your day pack your original um day pack in 2016 that you had that was like 18 2000 yeah, um but it measures but it like, like 20, 28 29 28 yeah 28 29 yeah yeah was it that big yeah okay yeah. yeah the name yeah. was a 2000 but the actual capacity was up there okay yeah and i was i was taking that and just you know taking the lid and then sandwiching a dry bag with my food and i mean then it was perfect because i didn't you know have any bulk whatsoever mm -hmm. um and just yeah i mean obviously just because you might not have the cubic inches there's other ways to really make that system just with having the, you know, the frame and everything the way it is. Like, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Just store that food. And yeah, I, I, you know, I want everything in the bag, but certainly if, uh, if needed for a couple of days, if you got extra food, you store it, you know, in the low shelf area or something like that. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where being able to improvise and, and have that, you know, makes that a pretty sweet system. So, yeah. Yeah, what I'm getting to is like I don't. Yeah, I'll be fine with even probably a three thousand something pack. But yeah, sometimes it is kind of nice though. Just have that little extra room and just brainlessly stuff everything in there and not have to, 
you know, really think through how you're packing it, but I don't yeah, know. No, I, for sure. Just yeah. me, me I just being lazy. The 10 day sheep, you know, all the gear, a 10 day and inside our 3,200 and it's full. I mean, you certainly can't just quickly throw things in there. You got to be a little bit attentive to making sure all your food's packed up nicely. And, um, as you know, as you get to day three and four, that a lot of that food volume goes away, it becomes a lot easier, but it's, it was, it's definitely, uh, it's not bursting through the seams, but it's full. Ooh, the people want to know, are you taking pantyhose? Yes, of course, <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> See, those are things I, you know, most people take a nice thick Merino wool or some type of base layer. You know, you talk about bulk, you get these pantyhose. It's not fair. They're not, they're mesh. <laughs> Not pantyhose. They're mesh long johns. I really and if you would ever be mad enough to wear them, you would never go turn back. I feel like I need to risk my professional future and just share one of those photos publicly of Steve and his pantyhose. (laughs) Yeah, we could start. I have them. I mean, a little album and a little EXO album of Steve and his pantyhose. Steve's Uh, uh, fans only page. Yeah. Holy crap man <sighs> some days you guys will come around yeah maybe maybe not what else tyler killing a caribou hang the meat up high pack extra game bags you gonna pack some game bags or do i need to pack like eight um i figured you were just packing everything so i didn't okay wasn't prepared there okay. no i got i got some game bags um but yeah like if we're talking about multiple species might start running into yeah, um, I, th- I mean, I've got I got eight set aside, so um, perfect four or four or five for a caribou, and then you really need probably only two or three for a sheep. I kind of wish we were doing this in September because then the moose would, moose oh, would be an option. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we we said we want it, and I know it's just how the you know things work with you know obviously Steve or Dwayne's going off to do caribou stuff by September. Um, but man, it, it would be nice if you know he ran some of those hunts at the same time as moose. And man, the moose we saw in there. Whew, yeah, yeah. That could get distracting. Yeah, that would be fun, man. I always wanted after we did that first time, I wanted to go back there with a raft and you know, Pat, you just throw the raft on your back, hike in there, kill a moose, and float back out. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Oh man, I just got some some pitch oars. Oh, Mark just sent me. <laughs> what you're talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, here we are, Steve. We're gonna start the album. <laughs> Moose racks and pantyhose. <laughs> oh, you guys are killing me. Yeah, dude. Um, do you have any kind of like a um, fear or whatever with the the plane ride stuff? Is that ever you know flying in? I know, like. For me, it was the Frank actually for the first time. I actually felt like a little, a little nervous. Or but have you ever got kind of squirreled? That Frank, I mean, that like that flight in there. That's that's shady. Um, <laughs> uh, no, not really. Like Dwayne, you just yeah, sure. When you're new to it, you know, last time was the first time in Super Cub. Um, it's a little scary, but you got to just think about it. these guys do this every freaking day, year round. Um, that you have to just like look at your like actual danger, you know what I mean? Like take your mind out of it and just look at the statistics and know that it's extremely low odds. So, 
Uh, and then when you got a pilot like Dwayne flying, who's just a fantastic pilot that, that, that takes away some of the nerves for sure. If it was like a, a brand new guy, like, Oh yeah, I just got my license six weeks ago. Yeah, sure. They butt pucker up a little bit, but um, yeah. Nah, I don't know. I'd rather die in a plane crash uh, than other ways. So doing something I love. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I think for me, I'm, I'm right there with you. Dwayne's so dialed. It's easy to be pretty, be at ease behind him in the plane. But yeah, yeah. that Frank, you know, I didn't know that guy. Not that whatever that mattered. It was the, just the sheer approach and speed that he had to have coming into that little airstrip that, you know, I was so used to them super cubs and they're just like floating along, pa, 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 and you yeah. land and it's no big thing. But with the type of plane, what were we in going into the Frank? I can't remember. It was 180, 180 or 190 something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he had to have his speed kind of up there, you know, and obviously didn't, doesn't have the lift that the super cub does or the cub. Um, but gosh darn, yeah, that had me puckered up pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I got a little, little ptsd just from that but i'm like oh, i don't know if i'm really liking flying too much anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, don't, I, I was certainly more nervous like the first couple times i've been in a small plane but been been in enough of them over the last five years that i think a lot of that's gone away yeah no i could see that i you know my my first time in a, a cub in the brooks range you know i flew when there was the most most fixed wing aircraft accidents in a short period of time in alaska like they just that's when ted stevens died like you know there's just a, a pile of pretty bad accidents that year and with the weather system that there was like you know dave's talked about it he's been on your podcast the the four different fronts that year they all kind of collided and it was a crazy weather year and you know and this being a, a bit of a weather year too it's just i don't know mm. I, speaking of overthinking stuff that's the only thing i've really maybe overthought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I trust Dwayne to to make good decisions and, you know, not push on the flights. So definitely for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not like if it's shady weather, I'm not going to be pushing like, ah, we need to get in there. We need to hunt. You know, it's like, ah, no, I'll just wait for the good weather and just be safe about it. I'll remember you said that. Okay. (laughs) Well, I guess I won't see you. I'll be in there. And then yeah, you show I'll meet you at base camp. Yeah. So, Ooh, yeah. What happens in that scenario? I'm, I'm there at base camp, weather rolls in the commercial flight. Can't get you to our, you know, our kickoff point for four days. You're stuck in Anchorage. Are you going to go fishing? <laughs> What's your plan there? <laughs> yeah. I need to get a hold of, uh, get a hold of some guys up in Anchorage and have a backup plan. Yeah. Is that I where your to... commercial flights end, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have Chuck's info? Uh, no. I'll send it to you before I go. Sweet. Well, what do you think, Mark? I think I nailed it. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, when Steve and I were talking about doing this episode, it was partially because of, yeah, releasing a podcast, but as much as just you guys getting on the phone to chat through details, which we did, and we just happened to hit record in the background. Do you know I've never talked on the phone with Steve for an hour? I mean, that's, <laughs> if you make it 10 minutes, like you've done something. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, I mean, Steve's pretty efficient on the phone. Do, do any of you guys talk to other dudes for an hour on the phone? Does that exist? No, I mean, I, I usually, 
I usually don't cut people off mid sentence and be like, all right, I got to go like you do, but <laughs> I'm done with this conversation. <laughs> you bore me. <laughs> uh, I, I, ADD, ADHD kicks in. Sometimes I get distracted with other things. I definitely, when we get on the phone, I feel, I feel rushed. As soon as we're on the phone, so I'm like, I have a list. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this happens once a month. I need uh, five key points. I always ask him, but then what am I missing? Hold on. Yeah. You got to, got to remember I work for the government. I got to, I think pretty slow. <laughs> Crack me up. Well, I'm officially excited now to go out and chase sheep. Been a lot going on at work and it's uh, time to go kill one. It is time. This time next week, we're, we're going to be shaking off heavy packs at base camping, going back for oh, round two. Can't wait. Can't wait. But just to be back up in that country, it's, I mean, if, if you have a bad attitude up there, you got issues in life, man. It's just incredible. doesn't matter how terrible the weather is or how bad the hunting is. Just, yeah, everyone needs to get up there and experience Alaska. Well, that's a great way to cap it. Hopefully Steve and Tyler are getting into the field here as this podcast is released and have a great trip. We'll be sure to chat more on the podcast after the hunt. So if you have any specific questions you want to hear about, be sure to send us an email to podcast at exomountgear.com and let us know. And don't forget as well, the link in the show description is there if you want to see Steve's What's in My Pack video and his full gear list for this trip. If you haven't yet, hit the subscribe or follow button in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically. And we'll talk to you soon.